We have felt your presence here so far this morning. When we sing about you being the King of Kings and about how you're going to come again and how we can draw close to you, Father, we feel your presence. We've asked of this, Father, you have accepted our pleas from our deepest of our hearts. So, Father, as we continue to hear your voice, Father, may the message this morning speak to us and draw us closer to you. We will give you the praise, and you're worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, God, ha hello, Eastwood Baptist Church. I hope that you are, well, howdy, back to you, you know. It is uh, good to be with you folks today. My name is Kenny Rager. I am a brand new at the Kentucky Baptist Convention in the Evangelism Department. As an Evangelism Associate, my responsibilities are to help the western side of Kentucky. Uh, it's not exactly an I-65 split, but it's close to it, of helping the western side of our state um, strengthen in evangelism and soul winning. And that is my task. And I want to say thank you on behalf of the Kentucky Baptist Convention for being a cooperative program church. Because of your giving to the cooperative program, you are allowing ministries that, that all over the state of Kentucky that were doing and training people and all types of things for the gospel. And, and in addition to that, over 3,000 missionaries that are on the field right now just because of churches just like this that are actively supporting uh, Southern Baptist mission work. So I am so thankful for the opportunity to be here. You guys have a kind of a nice interim pastor, don't you? I think Brother Rick is one of the nicest people that I know. And I'm not just saying that. He is a, a loving man. And as you guys are going through transition, I just pray that God will use Brother Rick in a mighty and powerful way. If you would this morning, take your Bibles and open them up to the book of Revelation. Now, that's a hard book to find. It's at the very, very end, okay? So you go to the book of Revelation, chapter 2, chapter 2. As you're turning there, I just want to tell you that in my new position, I just recently resigned from, my, from a church that I planted in Owensboro, Kentucky, and I loved my ministry. I loved what God was doing. Actually, my, my wife and kids and uh, they're still there. They're there this morning, actually. And we, we love that church and what God is doing. But I also love the, the new work that God has called me to do to help churches win people to Christ. I love what the Lord is doing in my life. I know this church loves the Lord. I know this church wants to see people saved. Would I be fair in saying that? Amen. You want to see people saved? You want to see God move? I know this is a church that loves Jesus. But, you know, all the way through history... There is a, there's an odd predicament that we see resurfacing in church history over and over again. You see churches that are alive, that are growing, that, that are doing great things for the Lord. All of a sudden, that fire that they have begins to cool down. It begins to slow down. And something happens to where the vibrancy and the passion of Jesus, which was once there, is not there anymore. Hey, listen, I don't know about you, but I am so thankful that we serve a God of not just second chances, but third, fourth, fifth, sixth chances. And you know what? Throughout history, when the church began to get cold, God many, many times sent his spirit in a great way and woke those churches up. All you need to do is study a little bit of church history, and you'll discover Jonathan Edwards, and you'll discover him at Northampton, and, and that church was cold and dead and half the members weren't even christians and it was it was it was crazy 
God put his hand on Edwards, and he got up and read his sermon, his manuscript. He read the thing. And oh, how the Holy Spirit fell on that congregation. And man, God started saving people, and that began the first great awakening. His grandson, Timothy Dwight, went to go be the president of Yale University, which started off as a Christian school and not very far into its history had already begun to to lose those roots. Dwight goes in and he begins in, in the vein of his grandfather to preach revival and to preach God's spirit. And oh, how a mighty movement of God fell upon Yale University. We don't have time today to talk about D.L. Moody and his amazing preaching abilities, Billy Sunday, Billy Graham. We don't have time to mention how God has moved in great things. And we have seen the Lord take churches all throughout history that are losing their love for Jesus and reignite them with passion. But unfortunately, though God can send revival and the Lord can do a great thing, unfortunately, Not every church is revived. And unfortunately, not every church that even starts strong will finish. I want us to look in Ephesians chapter 2. John the Revelator, the Apostle John, is on the island of Patmos. This is many, many years after Christ has died and and has risen from the grave and, and has ascended into heaven. John is imprisoned on the island of Patmos. And the resurrected Jesus appears to John. And he begins to tell John the revelation of what will come. But he also, do not miss the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, because the Lord speaks to John about the current state of churches. And as he speaks to them, he, is, he has a word that all of us needs to hear this morning. The very first church that Jesus spoke to John on the Isle of Patmos was the church of Ephesus. I'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible today, but let's turn our attention to God's Word. The Bible reads this. This is Jesus speaking. Write to the angel of the church in Ephesus, thus says the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your endurance, and that you cannot tolerate evil people. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars. I know that you have persevered and endured hardship for the sake of my name and have not grown weary, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember then how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet you do have this. You hate the practice of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Now listen to this, church. Let anyone who has ears to hear Listen to what the Spirit says to the churches, meaning this, that even though Christ spoke this directly to the church of Ephesus, if you today are born again and you have ears to hear, this message is for you. To the one who conquers, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Father, we thank you for the word. 
Father, help me to preach it faithfully and within context this morning. Lord, I pray that you would put a passion for Christ in the Eastwood Baptist Church. Lord, that you would send revival, that you would send an awakening in this, in this church, Lord. Father, Lord, speak to us today. We pray in your name. Amen. So here the Lord Jesus is speaking to John and is telling John to write to seven churches, one of them being the church in Ephesus. Do you know very much about the church of Ephesus? It was planted by the Apostle Paul. When Paul wrote to Timothy in 1st and 2nd Timothy, Timothy was the pastor at the church of Ephesus. This is a good church. This is a church that loved Jesus. This is a church that loved the Word. And they had the right beliefs. They had the right doctrine. They, they, they worked hard. They were not a lazy church. On the outside, you would say, why would Christ have anything against Ephesus? I mean, this is a good place. If you visit Ephesus and you visit First Church of Ephesus, you would say, man, I'd, I'd like to join that church. It's a good place. But yet, Christ rebukes the church of Ephesus. Why? Because they had lost what? Help me, church. They had lost their first love. They were doing all the right things, but had lost, forsaken their love. Unfortunately, today, the modern church can be so guilty of the same thing. We can have the right programs. We can have the right ministries. We can have the right services. We can have a great music program, a great deacon ministry. We can have a great children's church, a great Bible school. We can have a good staff, good facilities. We can have all of that. But the reality is, if we do not have a heartfelt desire and love for Jesus Christ, you can have all that and it means absolutely nothing. It means nothing. Unless your heart is in the right place. And the right place is on Jesus Christ. Amen. Him crucified, Him resurrected. You can have all the right ministries and programs, but unless your heart is on Jesus, it ain't going to matter to nothing. So today I pray that God would send His Spirit on Eastwood Baptist Church, that God would, would send revival all across our nations. Don't you pray all across our, our world? Amen? That God would send revival. But here's what you have to understand. That revival will never come, never, ever come to your church, to your nation, unless you first get your heart back on Jesus. Unless you first get your heart back on the resurrected Savior. If you want a big idea for today, here it is. Revival will not come if we do not rediscover our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. If we don't get our heart back on Christ, we're not going to see a movement of God. I want us to look at three things from the passage that teaches us about moving our heart back to Jesus. First, I want you to see this, that we rediscover our love for the Lord when we remember. Now, look at verse 4, chapter 2. The Lord says, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. And, and what's, the, what's the next thing he says? Say it with me, church. What does he say? He says, what's that word? Re Remember. Remember, then, how far you have fallen. I mean, I don't understand. Of all the churches to pick on, Jesus, you'd pick on Ephesus? I mean, I mean, just, just look at it. If you, if, it won't be on the screen, but if you've got your Bibles, just, just scan up and look at the stuff they're doing. 
This looks like a great place. Um, Jesus knows what they're doing. He knows their labor, their endurance. Ephesus was historically a, a sexually driven city. It was pagan. It was immoral. And it looks like these guys are, are being faithful. They're overcoming, maybe even persecution. They cannot tolerate the evil practices. I mean, I mean, they don't like it. They see the stuff on the street and it repulses them. They can't stand it. They even test false preachers that are coming in and, and say, man, that guy's not the real deal. You go on down, it says that they, they can't even stand the practices of cults. They're not lazy, they're working. I mean, they've got it going on. I mean, they've got it all going on. They've got the right doctrine. They've got the right work ethic. They have it all. What in the world could Jesus fault Ephesus for? And he tells them, doesn't he? Their problem was what? They lost their what? Their love for Jesus. They lost their love for Christ. You know, they, they traded the communion juice for sour grapes. And, and now they're, they were doing everything, and they were showing up to do stuff, but the joy was gone. They showed up at the first church of Ephesus for choir practice, right? And they were saying, joy, joyful, joyful, we adore thee. But they were saying it like this, joyful, joyful, we adore thee. They'd show up to brew the ancient coffee before church started, amen? And by the way, you know God loves coffee. He brews. Never forget that. It's anointed. They would do everything. They'd serve in the kids' church. Now, I'm being facetious a little bit, but here's the deal. They were working. Y'all with me on that, Eastwood? They were doing it. They were serving. But yet, their heart for Christ was not in it. Yeah, they'd hear the sermon. Yeah, they'd hear the Bible study. Yeah, they would sit there and nod. Maybe even say the occasional amen. But their heart and their passion for Christ was gone. And the very first remedy Christ tells them was to do what? Remember. You need to remember what I've done for you. You need to remember that I saved you. Hey, folks, is anybody glad today that, you're, that if you're saved, you're not going to hell? Anybody thankful for that today? You need to remember. What was it like when you first gave your life to Jesus? Do you remember his love, his grace? What washed over you? What drew you to Christ? What was the power of the gospel? Do you remember feeling the gospel? Do you remember going forward? Do you remember saying that prayer? Do you remember when Jesus came into your heart? Do you remember that? Do you remember when Jesus touched you? The story is told that an older couple would go for Sunday drives every Sunday. They'd been doing it their, their whole married life. And now they were elderly into the, the older years, but they'd still drive. And the wife would sit on this side of the old bench pickup truck, and the husband would drive. And one day as the wife had her arm out the window and they were driving just down that country road. She leans over to her husband, and she says, can you explain something to me? When we first got married, I used to just be right there next to you, all cuddled up, and we'd sit so close to each other on these Sunday drives, and now look, I, we're as far from each other as we can be. Older man paused for a second, 
reflected, turned over and looked at his wife, and he said, I never moved. I never moved. Can I tell you something, church? The Lord Jesus, hear me, has not moved. It's our hearts that move. He is still on the throne, praise God. He's still coming back one day. He can still save the sinner that turns to him. And listen, his blood is just as powerful today as it was the day that saved you. He hasn't moved. But oh, if we want to see our hearts go back to Jesus, we've got to do what we've got to remember. Where were you when you got saved? What was it like when the Lord touched your heart? Do you remember when you go back? Oh, how God wakes you up a little bit, doesn't he? You got to remember. You got to remember where the Lord has brought you. But second, you got to do this. We rediscover the love of Jesus, the love for the Lord, when we repent. We have to repent. Now, notice the text. He says, remember then how far you have fallen. And the very next word is what? What is it? Tell me. Repent. And do the works you did at first. Very interesting that he would say the works that you did at first because the Ephesus church was currently doing works. They were doing all the right stuff. So what is this, this first work? What is this work that they need to go back to and what does repentance mean well repentance means you do a u-turn you're going this way you stop and you repent and you go the other way that's what repentance is and jesus says to the church he says you got to do the works you did at first well well i don't get it we're teaching sunday school we're doing this we're doing that i just don't get it the lord says the works you did at first that was coming from a heart that loved me That wasn't coming out of some sort of ownership or obligation or I've got, if I don't do this, it ain't going to get done around here. If I don't show up and pick up the trash around here, these bunch of people slobs around here. And if I don't do this, ain't nobody else going to do it. You know, we, we get this spirit. Where we just got to do this. We just got to do it. We show up in a deacon's meeting and we're so mad because we've been doing everything. We got to punch Brother Rick in the face now, you know? That's how it works. This is my church. We're going to keep it running. We're going to keep it float. Friend, listen to me real quick. Unless you shed blood on the cross for this church in eight years. Last time I checked, the Bible says that he purchased the church with his blood. It ain't yours. You don't control people. Christ controls people. Y'all with me on that? Christ controls, not you. You ain't God. So what does he say? You got to do the works you did at first, which is why. You ever seen a new Christian? All you got to do is look at a new Christian. You can see. You ever seen a new Christian? Nobody's telling them to go to church. They kind of want to go to church. Nobody's telling them to get rid of their old music and start listening to Christian music. Why? Because they want to. 
Nobody's telling them, now you've got to get in that Bible. No, they're hungry for God. So they're in the Word. So you know what the first works are? You ready? You start doing the stuff out of a heartfelt love for the Lord Jesus. You read the Bible not out of obligation or to study to get some sort of lesson done. You read it because this is the Word of God that brings life to us. You serve in the kids' church not because somebody's got to do it. You serve, why? Because these are precious children that Jesus tells us not to hinder them coming to the Father. Amen? We serve, we help, we love, we sacrifice, we give. Not because we got to keep the lights. Well, no, because Jesus is the light of the world and he's shining in us. That's why we do what we do. That's why we do what we do. Well, Kenny, I don't like this. You're telling me it's not my church. You're telling me that if I'm doing stuff and my heart's not in the right place, then I'm not doing it right. Absolutely. Actually, I'm not telling you that. Jesus is telling you that. Big difference. Amen? Many of you all will never see me again, but I hope and pray that you will see Jesus face to face one day. He's telling you this. But now understand the third point. If we rediscover our love for the Lord that's great but we will rediscover the our love for the Lord or we might just regret it we might just regret not rediscovering love for Christ what do you mean by that Kenny well let's look back at the word look what Jesus says in verse 5 otherwise I will come to you and what remove your lampstand from its place Unless you what? The lampstand in the book of Revelation is figurative language for the church. What Christ is promising the church of Ephesus, and unless they get their heart back in it, unless they get the passion of Christ back in them, unless they get their, their spirit right, that he's going to shut it down. Now, you, you heard me right. Christ is going to shut it down. Now, isn't this odd? This, this week, I was in Louisville for a round of doctoral seminars, and, and I was driving down one of the roads, and there was a beautiful, historic church building there being renovated into a Mexican restaurant and apartments in a neighborhood that needs the gospel tremendously. So, God does bring revival, but you need to understand something. God also shuts them down. Now, we're so quick to blame Satan for closing down a church. And he has his part in it, amen? He has his part. But you need to understand something, that in Revelation, it is Jesus that closes the church. It is Christ that closes the church. And you might say, well, why does Christ close his church? Can I tell you why? Because if you've lost the love of God in your heart, if you've forgotten the power of the Holy Spirit, if you've forgotten how awesome and loving and amazing he is and it's no longer his church and now it's your church the reason he shuts it down is is because he left a long time ago he left a long time ago and it's just some sort of country club it's just some sort of gathering it's some sort of machine that just keeps going and christ says it ain't my church it ain't my church i'm snuffing it out Oh, but Christ gives them an option, doesn't he, Brother Greg? Unless you what? Repent. 
unless you repent. Historically, that did not happen. That did not happen historically. Ephesus fell into the cracks of history. Believe it or not, ironically, the whole city fell into the ocean. I kid you not. Erosion took place in that area, and it eroded the entire city away, and they had to relocate the entire city inland. So not only did the church get snuffed out, the whole city did. Isn't that amazing? It's in, it's in the ocean. But I think, what would cause a church to stop loving Jesus? What would cause us to just go through the motions when Christ was God who became flesh to save our lousy, no-good hides from a, from a devil's hell and who came to this earth, and when he went to the cross, he had nails put in him. He had a crown of thorns put in him. He had a spear ran in his side. I mean, the, the blood came out of Christ. And you know, as he was sitting there on that cross and he said, it is finished, that meant that it was done, that the payment of sin was done, that it was taken care of, that it was gone, that, that anybody that would believe in Christ, and if you confess with your mouth Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. The great promise of Romans 10, 13, that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord would be saved. How could we ever turn our back on a Jesus that loved us so much to go through all that, to go through hell on a cross so we wouldn't have to go to hell? A Jesus that loves us that much. How could our old little hearts get so cold, so so stale, so stagnant when Jesus shed his precious blood for us on the cross. What in the world has happened to us? Friends, it is not that we love Jesus. The Bible says, no, 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 that we love God. Why? Because why, church? He first, help me, loved us. How do you get the love of God back in your church? How do you get the love of Jesus back in your church? You ready? Put your eyes on the cross of Jesus. Get it back on the cross. Get it back on the blood. Get it back on his substitutionary death on the cross. So what do you do with the message like this? You repent. You go to the Lord and you remember the day you got saved, when he came into your heart, I was seven years old when Christ came into my heart on my living room couch. My mama led me to the Lord. That's when Jesus came into my heart. You go back to that day. You recall your testimony. And then you start to make it right. You start to ask God to put the fire back in it. You start getting in the word like you used to. You start serving not out of obligation, but out of love. Today, the invitation is threefold. Some of you all need to accept Christ. You need Jesus in your heart. You've never had the love of God in your life, but oh, how Christ wants to save you. He died for you, and oh, how he loved you first. And oh, how he's calling you to salvation today. I pray that you would respond. Number two, some of you all have debated about being part of this church. Hey, come on, unite. Be part of this church. Let the love of God spread through you. And then now here's the big one today. 
this message is primarily directed, it was directed at Christian church members. If you today are a believer and a member of this church and your love for Christ has just went down the drain, it's time to confess that before the Lord, repent of that sin, and ask God to reignite your heart. Amen, Eastwood. I'm going to ask our musicians to come, and Brother Greg, if you would come. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We ask you in this time now, Lord, to just relight our heart for the gospel. Lord, if there's someone today that doesn't even have the spark in their heart, I pray that they would be saved. They would come forward, give their life to Christ today. Lord, counsel with Brother Greg, Lord. But Lord, I also pray for our, our Christians today that you, Lord, would begin to work in their hearts, that this church, Lord, would catch the spark of revival by turning their eyes back to you and the love of Jesus back to you. Lord, it all starts, God, when we ask you to revive us first, that we draw a circle, Lord, we step in the circle, and we ask you to revive what's inside the circle. Lord, forgive me of my sins when I fail you. Revive me. Create love within me, Lord. So, Father, move in a powerful way today. We pray in your name. Amen. Would you stand?